0: The Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents
1: Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant, at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, or at bellford.com. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G done right, by Jesse Ray Park in Las Vegas. Any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Home of Bar Canada. A north of the border home, Las Vegas style. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Ultra smooth, Arizona home. Behind the mask, whether on the ice or in line, we are the valley headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M-Drive, the presenting partner of What You? M M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Summer Skates, get your personalized shower shoes and koozies at icetimetockysw.com forward slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest presented by the Team Las Vegas Reward Casino, is part of the sw.com app.
0: All right, welcome in, hockey fans, professional hockey fans, if you will. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, and if you're hearing noise in the background, it is because we are live, and I am live at the uh, U18 World Championships in Frisco, Texas tonight, and I'm joined by a special guest from Las Vegas, Nevada. I've got Ken Bulky on me with me from Sin Bin Vegas. Ken, how are you?
2: Pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Can you hear me okay? Because I got some noise behind me. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you great. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, welcome in. I wanted to get you on again because a lot of things are happening in professional hockey, especially in Vegas. And uh, I, I texted you this morning and I said nine in a row is pretty good, and you responded with a uh, okay. Nine was great. But um, I'm worried more about the one coming up next.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome to win nine in a row. But when you do it against Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., and a couple against Arizona, it doesn't exactly have the same feel as if you're <laughs> doing it against some of the better teams in the league. And now they got a huge game. Like, this nine in a row goes kind of down the drain if you, if you blow this one against Colorado. If, if they make it 10 in a row, it's going to be a heck of a win streak. But if they don't, you're going to quickly forget about that nine in a row because then they're going to be looking up in the standings.
0: Okay, let's back up a little bit because the start of this season, uh, there were so many different variables that were in play for the Vegas Golden Knights, and uh, one of them was the goalie situation. Have things ironed out on that, Ken? Where do we stand right now?
2: I mean, not really. Like the what they've done throughout most of the season is they've just rotated back and forth. Uh, There's been one moment where they had both goalies available and they decided not to rotate it. That was uh, the two-game stretch against Colorado the last time they played them. So game five and six of the season against Colorado. Leonard was healthy. He had just come back. He'd been back for about two or three games. They decided that they were going to go with with Flurry in both of those games, said it was the easy decision. He's been carrying us. He's the guy. Since then, it's been a direct back and forth every single game. They have not deviated even once off of it. So uh, we'll see. Based on the rotation, it should be Flurry's game on Wednesday. But we'll see what they do. And, and last year, they were going with a rotation before the playoffs. And then once the playoffs hit, they, they backed off the rotation and picked Leonard. So we'll see what they decide to do moving forward.
0: Well, the one thing we know is we don't know. That's right. (laughs) DeBoer is pretty unpredictable in what he does. Uh, But the other thing, Ken, that that, that the Vegas Golden Knights have kind of battled all season long is the the cap structure, right? I mean, trying to fit under the cap all the time. And you've seen some crazy things. So tell us a little bit about how that cap structure is, is going for the Golden Knights.
2: Yeah, I mean, once they signed Alex Petrangelo, they were basically pushing up against the cap to a level that we have not seen much of before. Uh, That ended up leading to the trade of Nate Schmidt. They had traded Paul Stastny earlier, and they still ended up with a situation where their roster was literally only able to have 19 players, or well, I guess 20 with your backup goalie. They could not field a roster beyond the 20 players that were going to dress on the day. So they had no healthy scratches for the first five, six, seven games of the season. And in that, a couple of times they decided to go with five defensemen so that Cody Glass could play. A couple of times they went with Cody Glass not in the lineup at all so that Keegan Colazar didn't have to go through waivers. Things iron themselves out a little bit in the middle of the season. They had uh, Robin Leonard go on long-term IR, and then Alex Petrangelo went on long-term IR. But now we're back to a situation where it's getting tight again. Currently, Ryan Reeves is on long-term IR. Uh, That would be up by about a couple days here, not too long away. So it's tight, Uh, but they're making it work. They've played shorthanded a couple times, literally with 10 forwards a couple of different times. And so, but in the end, I mean, they're they're a good enough team. They should be able to overcome it. Okay, so so let me just fill you in on what my life
0: has been like for the last uh, 25 days. I've been to uh, Michigan to see a USHL uh, team development uh, all-star game. I've been to the Frozen Four. I've been back to watch AHL hockey in Colorado. Then I went to watch uh, ACHA national championships in St. Louis. Currently, I'm in uh, Frisco, Texas. For the under 18s so while all that was going on um vegas just keeps continuing to win and the point i'm getting at is i listened to a lot of nhl network while i've traveled about i don't know 10,000 miles <laughs> <laughs> and the nhl network uh, ken has been saying does vegas understand what it's like not to be good <laughs> and I not really kind of a yeah <laughs> i thought that was a unique situation so what what What's it like when, when all you do is win, 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 as they say?
2: I mean, that's what's been happening in the regular season. But when you go to the postseason, the last three seasons, or the last two seasons, we'll see what happens this year. Lost in the first round two years ago. Last year, they kind of were given a path to the Western Conference Final, beating Chicago. And then they needed seven games to beat Vancouver. And then they kind of flamed out at that point. So. In a way, yeah, it's awesome that you can keep being in the mix and keep being this type of team and keep getting cracks at 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 winning it all. But really, they're no different than anybody else until they actually get over that hump and do it. And they've got a general manager that comes from a team, or well, now he's the president of hockey operations at George Maffee, yeah, that let, comes let's from a team right. that did exactly this. <laughs> he did this forever. Like with, with Washington, he was this exact type of situation, for 10 years in a row or so with with the caps and they never quite got over the top so until he left and came here so it's (laughs) yes i understand that that it is nice that they're winning there's definitely a level of being spoiled to to the fan base and and they are very happy with with uh constantly being in the playoffs but I don't see any problem with any fans sticking their neck out and saying, you know what, I'm not okay with just winning the division. I want the name on the cup. That's what I want. And I understand where everybody's coming from on that. I think that's what the team wants.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, So right now, the Golden Knights hold down first place, but the game's in hand with Colorado and the game coming up with Colorado here in just, what, two days. Um, How important is winning uh, the division
2: I th- think for Vegas, it definitely matters. Uh, the main reason is not as much that extra home game against Colorado. I think the better team's going to win that series no matter what, whether the extra home game is there or not. I think it would help Vegas a little bit more because I would argue that Colorado is a slightly deeper team. They're a little easier to, to, to catch bad matchups against Vegas. So I think the extra game would help Vegas a little bit. But I think the bigger point is Vegas avoiding Minnesota. They have had some struggles with Minnesota and you really don't want to go a season where you're going to end up with 80 something points in 56 games and then lose in the first round to Minnesota. Like that's really not what you want to do. So that's why this game becomes so important. You look at the games in hand, they're basically tied at this point. Whoever wins this game is going to have a really good inside track to winning this division and getting arizona st louis san jose la whoever it happens to be that gets out of that the, the division in the fourth position and really they should be a walkover whoever it happens to be so it's basically setting up as do you want a first round buy or do you want this challenge with minnesota
0: and on the same token does it mean something to say you're a honda west division champion this year when when you've only played that group or has that diminished a little bit that uh the shine of a, a conference championship or division championship.
2: I think it depends on what you do in the playoffs. Like, you, you've you seen it. You, you know, you have teams like Anaheim, who won this division five times in a row and then did nothing with it. And then you have a team like L.A. that's barely won the division ever. And they've gone to the cup final and won it a couple of different times. So, in a way, it doesn't matter. But, I mean... Who doesn't like a banner? So who doesn't like going, you know, and seeing the new banner up in the rafters? So in that respect, yeah, I'll take another banner, of course. <laughs> well,
0: it's not only new banners, but it's uh, it's T-shirts too, right? Yeah, We're right. Some of those out there.
2: <laughs> exactly. I, they could take um. my twenty-four dollars right now.
0: If you get one for twenty-four dollars, okay, I want to see it because I I've been How hanging out they, here are they the more? for a little while. Oh. Man, in Frisco right now, the IIHF uh, t-shirts I think are going for like thirty-five bucks. It's just oh my ridiculous. God! Maybe we
2: underpriced our playoff <laughs> gear. We just released our playoff gear today, I and saw it that. Was eighteen I bucks saw that. for a t-shirt. Oh well, that's man! Surreal. I should have made it double. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeez. Okay, so
0: <laughs> so when we're talking uh, Vegas hockey, um, we know about the Golden Knights. and We're going to get back to that in a minute, but. How how has the impact of the Silver Knights been in the community? I've been up there for quite a few Silver Knights games, and um, what what's your vision? What what do you see from from your seat?
2: I think from a hockey perspective, it's amazing. Like they would have been in a much more difficult situation this season if they still had the situation where they had the 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 AHL team in Chicago with with the cap structure that they were going with with as often as they needed these players to go back and forth, like it would have been trouble if that was the case. So it's definitely a benefit that that they have them here. As far as what's going on um, with the with the fans and how that's all going on this season, it's really tough to decide simply because, you can't go like you couldn't go for as long you know for a while there and now they're letting 2000 people or so into silver knights games and 3900 into golden knights games the prices are fairly high like i don't think we've gotten a true feel for what it's going to be like uh with this season and also as much as i like the orleans and i do think the orleans is a nice arena to watch a hockey game in when the, when the Silver Knights move to this new arena in Henderson, the Dollar Loan Center, it's going to be unbelievable. Like That place is going to be phenomenal. So I think that's going to breathe a new life into a team that already has plenty of life in them.
0: You know, I like that. You said dollar loan center, and you didn't say dollar loan center center like I I saw in one of your early tweets.
2: Well, I thought it was that. When they first announced it, I thought that's – I actually read it as dollar loan center center, and I'm like, oh, that's horrible. And then I read it again. I'm like, oh, there's only one center there. And then I thought, well, where's the name of the arena? Because that's the name of the business. It's still confusing to me. I don't get it. But that's what they named it, so I'll call it the Dollar Loan Center, and and I'll be a nice nice boy. Oh, I love it! I love it
0: when you conform. You know, that's really when we get. Kind it's of conform, rare for me. I know.
2: I called them the Silver Knights like four times in that little last answer. I I'll never call them the Silver Knights. I always call them the Horses. I hear you. Well, I always say, put the
0: horses in the stable when the game is over with. So. You know what, I guess I fall in that category. There you go. um, Tell me a little bit about uh, Harold, the (laughs) the town crier, and how that's kind of taken over the Silver Knights. And He even jumped in and did a little something on the uh, Golden Knights, didn't he?
2: Yeah, Harold's great. Harold, the town crier, is... uh, I don't really know how to fully describe him, because nobody really has anything (laughs) like that in hockey that I've ever seen. (laughs) Basically, after the Golden Knights score a goal... This knucklehead comes out, and I I say that in the most loving way I possibly can. Like, he's supposed to be the court jester, and that's exactly what he is. He comes out, he he blows his little trumpet, and he announces the goal scorer in the most ridiculous fashion you've ever heard. It's amazing. And then, the crazy part is, then they announce it like they normally do. So they actually announce who (laughs) scored twice, and I don't think that's necessary, but... Yeah, Harold's great. The the horse joke of the day is hilarious. Uh, The medieval term like it's really it's really another example of how Vegas has taken the hockey game and added elements on top of it that give you a unique experience that just doesn't exist anywhere else. And I, I think it's something that is really, really impressive for a team that's they're not the seventh team in the NHL. They're the 31st team. There's 30 other examples, and they're still finding unique things uh, to be able to do and to keep it a little bit different and loose and and, and make it Vegas. It's, it's pretty neat that they've been able to do that.
0: Okay, so still on the Silver Knights for a minute, and I don't want to blow my horn or, or Harold's horn for that matter, but uh, I watched practice number one of the Silver Knights, and I talked with... Uh, with Coach Viveros a couple of times before. And after practice one, I said, this team's going to be special. And here's a couple examples of why I thought that, Ken. I looked at their goaltenders, and I said, they've got some talent at goal. And that was Logan Thompson and um, who am I missing?
2: Um, Oscar Dansk or Dylan Ferguson. uh, Dylan Ferguson,
0: Dylan Ferguson at the time. And then I looked at their mix of veterans and young guys coming in, and I said, this team has a chance to be special. Even I, though, didn't think that they were going to run off the home record like they did and get off to the start that they did. Did that surprise you at all? Um,
2: yes and no. Uh, I think I think the Golden Knights have always had this belief in having enough veterans to make it a competitive team. Like they've always kind of had that pretty good mix. Uh, Time again, Daniel Carr... Brandon Peary, these types of guys were guys that they had with the Wolves for a while, and now it's uh, Dylan Sakura, Danny O'Regan, you know, these types of players. Ryan Murphy's a good example, a guy that came over from the KHL that's just a steadfast, stolid defenseman. Carl Dahlstrom's another one that it doesn't surprise me that they were competitive. I think it does surprise me a little bit, though, when you start to look at Jack Dugan, Cotter, Lecision. Elvinus, Bier, these guys getting in the lineup and making a huge impact. Reed Duke's another good example. You know, they were able to get some of the young guys in there and Krebs and, you know, they're able to do things that say we're, all, we're not only competitive now, but we're also an up-and-coming team. I think it is impressive how often they've won. I do think you have to keep in mind, though, who they're playing. Like, just like the Golden Knights, just like the NHL, It's not a great example of what's actually going on because you're playing such a limited schedule and you're playing the same teams. Like you saw, uh, this this Condors team, Bakersfield, came in and and gave the Silver Knights some trouble. And had they seen a number of different opponents, I don't think the record would be as good, but I still think they're an impressive team. And it's really, to me, I think, disappointing that I don't think we're going to get to see a full playoff.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question, Ken. Do you think there will be playoffs, or will they just crown division champions and say, "Hey, enough is enough for this year. Let's prepare for next yeah. year." Yeah,
2: wouldn't shock me if they decide to do some sort of a like couple division champion type situations where they have a series here and there. Because I think there is something to be said about playing a series. You do learn. You do learn something about young players when you see them against the same team over and over, and when there is something on the line. Uh, I just don't know what it would actually be for, and so I'm not sure that the competition level would rise enough to get what you want it to actually be. So my guess is it's not going to be a true playoff, and, and that's that's disappointing because what's the point of playing the whole season if there's nothing to win?
0: Yeah, you play to win the game, as somebody said once famously. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so so let's talk about this crazy COVID year because we have seen just about everything that could possibly happen in COVID. And and, uh, Colorado just came off of their second prolonged um, date with COVID, if you will. The Golden Knights also had their fun with COVID, if you will. So uh, how do you put this all together, Ken, in, in, in kind of a bow for us as we try to get through this season? How has COVID affected things?
2: Uh, I mean, it's affected everything. I just, I think everybody's in the same boat. It's like, when is this gonna end? Like, when are we gonna be able to go back to normal? I think we can't really fully put a grasp on what it's like to not be able to go out to dinner on the road, to not be able to really have much of a life uh, when you're at home. I think that's really hard to, to truly put your finger on how much that's that affects teams and also there is an even playing field there everybody's in the same boat so i think the biggest thing to me though in covid is i just think this schedule is is bad and i think we've all learned it throughout the course of the 56 games it's like 82 games is a lot in the normal season, but there's enough variety. There's enough spice to the season that it's like, ooh, Connor McDavid's coming in. And then Steven Stamkos is coming in tomorrow. And then I get to see this upstart Florida team or whatever it happens to be. This year, it's like the same teams over and over and over again. It's like, man, I just wish we could get to the part of the where they actually matter. I think that's been the biggest disappointment is this season really proves like you need variety. You have to have variety in the regular season, and this season just doesn't have it.
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you a little uh, backstory. I talked to Frank Saratori at Air Force earlier this year, and I asked him about what his goal was for the season. He said, hey, all I want to do is play 13 games, because that's what the NCAA had said out there was. He uh, had to play 13 games to even get a shot at a national tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh, bid okay so he landed on 13 got his conference tournament proceeded to lose and was done but that that's how his perspective was um but he also said that going into the atlantic tournament his team is pretty healthy because they've all had covid Mm -hmm. and they're in that 90-day window so by vegas and a lot of the vegas guys had it early does that make them a little bit stronger do you think as opposed to somebody like colorado that's dealing with it now
2: yeah, and then you've also got the vaccine, the Golden Knights. Uh, I mean, Robin Leonard came out and said he got it, and he was talking about how it's important that if 85% of the team got it, that they would relax restrictions. Well, if his belief was that they're going to relax restrictions, then 85% of the team probably must have gotten it. So, yeah, they got to be in a good spot, knowing that a lot of our guys have had COVID, and then we also have the vaccine for most of our players they shouldn't have much fear against that. So I think that's definitely a benefit. It's just hopefully, I mean, maybe maybe for the Golden Knights winning the cup, maybe you can sit here and say, Well, I hope that the other teams they play against run into some issues here and there. But to me, I'm hoping we don't hear the word COVID for the majority of the postseason. Like, I want a real playoffs. I liked that bubble situation where you actually didn't worry about it. It was just, let's play the games. And the bubble itself sucked. But the the fact that you knew, (laughs) there's really not much fear that somebody's going to pop on the beginning of any game. And I feel like with football, we had it going into every single game. It was like, man, I hope they get through this one with nobody having to miss this game. I hope they get baseball had it all the way through their playoffs. I'm hoping we can go through a playoff where it's like, let's just focus on the hockey. Let's focus on the competition and let's figure out who the best team is here.
0: Okay. So speaking of the best team, um, let's talk a little Honda West division. Cause uh, as I look at the standings currently, the golden Knights have 70 and uh, the avalanche have 66 points and the, the avalanche have two games in hand, as we already spoke about, but are you shocked or surprised at all that the wild are, uh, have already secured a playoff spot at 65 points
2: not really. Um, the more I watch the Wild, I, I think they're a, they're a halfway decent team. And to be honest, I'm so down on the rest of the division that at the beginning of the year, I would have guessed it would have been Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis that would have been at the top. But if you would have told me that St. Louis is going to struggle, I would have said, well, that makes sense. Okay, I could see that happening. Someone has to get those points. I I feel like we knew... There was going to be 3 or 4 bad teams in this division, two pretty bad teams and then three decent teams. We knew there were going to be two good ones. So to see another team up there with all these points doesn't shock me all that much. 7 games in a row, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty nice for them, but it doesn't it doesn't stun me that that they're up uh, near the top. I just think some of these teams like Anaheim, they're horrible. LA's terrible. San Jose's bad. Arizona's kind of hit or miss. So um, it doesn't shock me that, that somebody, you know, found their way up the mix here. You know,
0: when I look at the division, Ken, and you know, I cover uh, not only the Golden Knights, but the Avalanche and the Coyotes as well. And and I see the Coyotes and I, and I go, God, I just don't think they have the pieces. I don't think nah, they have a finisher to do it. Um, I, I know Rick Tockett does a heck of a job with that, that roster, but... You know they're handcuffed in a lot of different ways, both on and off the ice, as we both know. And um, you know to hang in there is what they're doing is hanging in there. But um, the Blues kind of surprised me that they they haven't uh, elevated their game a little bit. But now I look at their schedule down the stretch and I'm going like, they got to play, yeah, mm-hmm. they got to play the Wild. And and I'm thinking, is there a chance that somebody crazy like the the Sharks or the Kings could sneak into that fourth spot? Or am I just uh,
2: pipe no, I think it's real. I I think L.A. has got a legitimate shot. I mean, they got four games in a row here against Anaheim. If you sweep them, that's eight points. You're looking at 48, and you're right back in the mix with all these games in hand that they have on everybody else. I, I think there's a real shot that that happens. In the end, though, my guess is it's between Arizona and St. Louis. Uh, I think St. Louis should be able to win enough of these games, but... No, it wouldn't shock me if somebody sneaks in there. Somebody gets hot at the right time playing bad teams. Wouldn't wouldn't be terribly surprising. I don't think it's going to matter. Whoever gets in is not going to win in the first round. So whoop-de-doo, you got in. I don't, I mean, it might not even <laughs> help you, to be honest.
0: So my, my question is, and we kind of touched on this earlier, is that, that one four seed looks like a much better pairing, whoever it is, than the two three. Definitely. How much do you think that would really affect things, though, uh, in a seven-game series, if it's a real battle, I mean, we saw it in the bubble last year. It wore some.
2: Yeah, I think that that if you know if you end up with a much tougher series in round one, it can certainly put you in uh, in a bit of a bad spot going into round two. So there's no doubt that either of these teams, Colorado or Vegas, they're going to want that one seed. They they they're going to want to fight for that one seed. But in the end if you're good enough to beat each other, so if Vegas is good enough to beat Colorado, if Colorado's good enough to beat Vegas, and then beyond that, if they're expecting to be able and go beat a Tampa or a Florida, Toronto, Boston, whoever it happens to be, you shouldn't be worrying all that much about whether or not we can beat Minnesota. So in that respect... Yes, you would like to have it, but I don't think anybody's losing sleep over not getting that position if it doesn't go that way for one of these teams.
0: Okay, all season long I've looked at the, uh, the NHL and i said, I, possibly the two best teams are right here in the West, in the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. Um, kind of sad that one of them will come out and one won't. Um, your thoughts on the rest of the, uh, the NHL. Is there better teams than those two?
2: This is the most impossible year to decide that. Like in a normal year if you looked at the standings and you saw the way the numbers are, it would be real easy to say, yeah, these two teams are are absolutely elite and so much better. But in this season, when you look at like the Golden Knights number, they have more wins than anyone else in the league against teams that are under 500. That has to be taken into account when you consider a team like Tampa has 16 games against Carolina and Florida. Vegas does not have anything like that. Yes, they have the eight games against Colorado, and they've only completed six of them. They've only completed six of the eight games against Minnesota. So a lot of their games are against really bad competition. That's not to say that I think Vegas is a bad team. They're not. They're certainly a very, very good team. But when you look at what they did in the regular season last season, what they did in the regular season the year before, they were much more middle-of-the-pack teams. They were much more between, like, Eight and four or so in the league, not one and two. I think even though the standings show that, I don't think Vegas is one of the two or three best teams in the NHL. I just don't see it when I watch them play against the better teams. I know they're consistently winning. I know they're beating a lot of these bad teams. I know that they had a, they're had they on a nine-game win streak. I get it. But at the same time, I've seen enough of how they play against Colorado. I remember how they played in the bubble against Dallas. I know how they played against Vancouver. I'm a little nervous going into this postseason that they're going to be a little bit overconfident that all these wins make them better than they actually are. It, it concerns me a little bit because playing a seven-game series against Colorado is nothing like anything you've done all season long.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And, and I think um, my thought is, if it ends up being uh, the Golden Knights and the Avalanche, battling it out to win the uh, honda west i think that might be the wake-up call i think that one of those teams whoever wins it will come out and and maybe had their uh their tune-up i guess mm-hmm. you can say if, if you can going on to the the rest of the playoffs is, is that realistic
2: i think there's some there's something to be said about these two games for sure i i There's a part of me that likes that they split them apart. Like about a week ago, they were supposed to be together. The first game was actually supposed to be tonight. And then the second game Wednesday, they split them apart. And there was a part of me that liked that, that was like, this is it. These are your two games. Really get up for these games and let's learn something here. Now with them split apart, this one game right here on Wednesday becomes even more important because a tough loss by any team can really hurt you and can really put you in a position where you don't feel all that good going down the stretch of the rest of the season uh i think either way though the team that wins is clearly going to have the better position in the standings and i think the team that wins the division is going to be happy that they get the, the you know the rewards that come with it but i think the other one is all of a sudden going to have that underdog feel And that's a little scary. Like, I don't think I want Vegas coming into my building feeling like they're a big underdog. And I definitely don't want Colorado coming into my building thinking they're an underdog. So, in a way, losing some of these games might not be the worst thing in the world.
0: Okay, so a couple more on the Vegas Golden Knights, and then I want to talk a little bit of junior hockey as they're going to be approaching the draft real soon. And I'm here, and I can see about 200 scouts. And I, I kid you not, I think half the building is scouts. Uh, for this unbelievable uh, crop of, uh, of talent. Um, so when we talk at Golden Knights, and I'm, I'm losing my train of thought as I, as I speak, and oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> when we look at... <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens when you do this on Been the there. live, right? <laughs> Been there many times. <laughs> so, so when we look at the Golden Knights, and you know, for, for the first couple of years, no captain. This year they decide they're going to go with Mark Stone, um what i've seen of him on the ice he's the captain and there's no doubt about it was that a good
2: yeah he's awesome i mean there's there's nothing wrong with mark stone like there really is and he's he's a, he's a heck of a player he's uh he's everything you can ask for in a captain he answers the questions the right way he's very uh honest about some of the deficiencies that the team has when they have them uh he's he performs on the ice when you need it, like when they need a big performance, he's there to give it to them. So yeah, I think there's he's absolutely the right choice. I thought he was the right choice going in. Uh, there was a little bit of concern for me that like, are you naming a player that wasn't here before, and is that going to put you in a position where you're you're kind of uh, taking a little bit away from the expansion run? But he's been he's been everything and more than you can ask for, and so yeah, I've, I have no issues with him as the captain.
0: OK, so if the captain position is secure, uh, is this now Pete DeBoer's team? Have they uh, uh, formed an identity under Pete DeBoer apart from what they were with uh, Gerard Gallant? Or are there still some lingering pieces?
2: I would say they're completely a Pete DeBoer team now. Uh, the, the Gallant style was a lot simpler, was a lot more direct towards the goal. Uh, transition style, trying to play this fast style where the puck goes straight out immediately. And it's, it's almost a safe, easy style to play. They're now a much more intricate style of team. They create a lot more dangerous chances. Uh, they, they're way better breaking out of their own zone. They're way more confident breaking out of their own zone and comfortable. Not nearly as many turnovers little bit cleaner with the puck through the middle of the ice, which is really important and going to be massively important when they end up playing Colorado. So, uh, yeah, I would say they're definitely more of a Pete DeBoer team. I I think they also have, and I don't really know how to put this politically correctly, but... I think they're more of like a business type team. They're like a they're like a group of businessmen where they used to be these renegade jerks that didn't were not wanted from anywhere else. Like they, they you know they had the this underdog. Yeah, the misfits. Like that's what they were. I don't they're not that anymore. They're certainly not that group of players anymore. Which is probably okay. a good thing. Like let's be honest, that couldn't last.
0: Okay, so we went through the captain, we went through the coach. Now let's go to the GM. Is this Kelly McCrimmon's team yet, or are there still a lot of fingers and fingerprints from George McPhee on this roster?
2: I would argue that nothing has changed since the beginning. Um, I think that the decision to move Kelly up to general manager was simply just a situation where he was potentially going to leave, and there was no reason to let him leave when you've had the success that you've had. Uh, I think, obviously, Kelly does a little bit more in regards to talking to the media and that type of thing, but... I don't think much has changed. I think they're the exact same team. I think whatever you believe Kelly McCrimmon was involved at the beginning, which I believe is a lot, like a lot more than people gave him credit for, I think he's the same amount of involved now. Uh, I'm not a big uh, believer in the narrative that all of a sudden this has turned into a Kelly McCrimmon team and McPhee has taken a backseat. Uh, knowing George McPhee as well as I do from covering him for as long as I have, he's not a backseat guy. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, so so a few years ago, the Vegas Golden Knights came into existence with an expansion draft. And uh, I think if you ask anybody out there, George McPhee uh, quote-unquote fleeced a lot of teams in the way he took players or didn't take players. Um, this summer, we have the Kraken coming in. And they're going to get a crack, if you'll pardon the pun, <laughs> at, at, at a uh, expansion draft. So your thoughts on what's going to happen in the expansion draft? We already know that the Golden Knights uh, got their way through it by uh, becoming exempt. So so what do you think about the expansion draft and, and how that's going to play out?
2: I think that teams are going to be a lot more passive this time. I think last time with the Golden Knights, teams were trying to kind of attack the expansion draft, saying, let me get out in front of this And I don't want to be in a position where I'm not controlling what's going to happen. And I think Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee did a masterful job of making that seem like it was the right thing to do. Uh, Like they, how many times they mentioned that they would call and say, look, what do you want to happen? We'll help you make that happen. You, we all know that's not how that was actually going down, but that's how they presented it. And I think a lot of these GMs fell into that problem. I think this time you're going to see a lot more teams put their list in and say, do what you have to do. This is going to suck. Just do it. Like rip the band aid off. I'll, I'll figure it out after you rip the Band-Aid off. I don't think you're going to see first-round picks going to not pick players anymore. I don't think you're going to see teams buying off bad contracts as much. I think they're just going to simply sit back and say, hey, take the best player, take whoever you want. I'm not all that worried about it.
0: So as that pertains to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, um... Any ideas on who might be left uh, unprotected and, and who might be susceptible? to... Well, of course they're not.
2: not yeah, the Golden Knights that. are exempt. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, I, I they're do think kidding. that that style of thinking is actually going to damage the Golden Knights a little bit. In that, if there was a lot of movement, if there was a lot of shift, the Golden Knights not having to be able, not giving up a player in the expansion draft, would have allowed them a position to maybe harbor a player via a trade or take advantage of a team that's in a bad position. I don't know that there's going to be that much going on. Plus, their cap situation is not going to you know, suddenly work itself out over this offseason. They don't really have much coming off the books outside of Alec Martinez.
0: So that leads me into my final question. As we look ahead to the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and their cap situation, um, what's going to happen? How are they going to free up space?
2: I think a lot of it has to do with how they do in this playoffs. Like, they have a core that they believe in. If this core shows that they deserve to be believed in, there won't be much change. I think they'll bring Alec Martinez back and they'll kind of just try and run back with the exact same lineup or something very similar. But if they falter to Minnesota, if they fall down against a Colorado, if it doesn't look good in the playoffs in a way like it didn't look good last year in the playoffs— then you might start seeing some changes. And I think some of the core might end up being moved. I don't know who that's going to be. We're going to have to see what the playoffs look like. (laughs) Well,
0: I I think we know one thing. I I think Marc-Andre Fleury showed that he's got a lot of game left, at least this season. Um, Your thoughts on the goaltender situation?
2: I mean, I've always thought that it was not a good idea for them to have the situation where they have two goalies. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. And I, I think it's a... I just think it's too much cap. It just doesn't make sense to me. So to me, it's a bad idea to have both of them. But I think the Golden Knights just flat out disagree. And I think they have an owner that will just tell you, I'm not doing it. You're not trading Marc-Andre Fleury. So I I just, I don't think there's much they can do.
0: That's what I was getting at. Uh, There's somebody that writes the checks that uh, that that really really likes Marc-Andre both on and off the ice, correct?
2: Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm of the belief that they had a deal in place and he said no.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, if you got 10 more minutes for me, let's talk about uh, this under-18 group that are going to be draft eligible and also some of the young players that joined. I'll tell you, Ken, I saw some AHL games over the last month in Colorado and in Vegas and when the NCAA season ended and the uh, the players started to make their uh, professional careers, or starting their professional careers, um, a couple of guys went to Vegas. Some other guys went to Colorado. Uh, it started to change things. Um, is it different this year, in your opinion? Or is, is it is it just the same as always? Guys come in on their entry-level deals and, and get some playing time somewhere in the AHL? Or-
2: yeah, Vegas has kind of been a slow team in that i guess would be the term that i would use the the term the golden knights like to use is they say they like to overcook them you can't overcook (laughs) your prospects i think that's a stupid concept but that's what the one that they like they're very hesitant on it uh there's an outside chance that maybe you see a peyton krebs find his way into this lineup at some point but I would even be surprised about that if that happens. So, yeah, I would still say the Golden Knights are a slow roster in regards to bringing in new players.
0: Any ideas on what they're going to be looking for in this draft?
2: They've always been a big fan of kind of finding these 200-foot centers uh, that have the ability to play wings. Uh, They like guys that have fairly decent hands. They're a big fan of... uh, you know vision on the ice hockey iq that type of thing but the number one thing they look for is players that play in all situations so when you're really looking for players that the golden knights might be interested in look to the penalty kill look at the player on each team specifically the better teams that's penalty killing the most whatever center's penalty killing the most that's the guy the golden knights want they've done that consistently and to this point it's hard to say it's worked out or not because there's really been zero impact from draft picks on the Golden Knights roster, the only one that's had any impact is is Nick Hague, and that was a second round pick in that first draft. Other than that, everybody's been traded away or just hasn't made a huge impact yet.
0: Okay, so um, your thoughts on Cody Glass? He's uh, still a young man. Um, thought he was going to get more playing time with the Golden Knights. Now he's down with the Silver Knights. Um, has he fallen out of favor, or is he just getting developed or
2: cooked? <laughs> and I think he's falling a bit out of favor here. I, I, I really do believe that they set this season up for this to be the time for Cody Glass to take the step and it didn't happen. Um, I, I don't really know why it didn't happen. I'm not, he looks the same player that he's always been to me. So, and I will admit I've never been the guy that's been out there saying, I think Cody Glass is an elite first line center. I've made the argument from the beginning. I think he's a defense first, third line center that can help on your power play. And I still think he's that. I still think he could be that. But I believe when you pick the guy sixth overall, you're expecting more than that. And to this point, he has not been able to offer more than that. And because of it, Nick Waugh and Tomasz Noshik, now Matthias Janmark, they've taken a step in front of him. And because of it, I, I, think, I think you might be seeing, uh, it might be not even a favorite for Cody Glass to ever play another game with the Golden Knights.
0: Wow, that's a big statement. Um, <laughs> speaking of Yenmark, I was in the uh, Dallas Stars Pro Shop today, and there's a nice deal on a Yenmark jersey here. <laughs> you want me to pick it up for you?
2: I think I'm okay, <laughs> but I do like Matthias Yenmark quite a bit.
0: <laughs> okay, so final question for you, and I'll let you go. Um, we talk about youngsters, and, and I know that you keep an eye on UNLV as well, and they had a senior scrimmage the other night that that made national news and and ken i'll tell you everywhere i go the number one question i get from everybody is when is vegas going to get an ncaa team um everybody sees it from the outside and they go it seems like all the pieces are there what's missing and or is there anything missing
2: yeah there's a massive thing missing it's money they need somebody to step up like i i I know that Hockey could potentially be a small moneymaker. I don't think college hockey in Vegas is going to be a giant moneymaker. I don't think it's going to lose the money. And in that case, when you're talking about adding a, a D1 sport and a D1 sport where it's a pretty growing sport, especially out West here, that's certainly something you want to do as a school like UNLV. But the problem is Title IX means you have to have the same number of scholarships that you give out to the men to women. It's going to be awfully difficult to find the money to offset those scholarships. And I know that it looks like a good idea, but it's going to take someone, some rich person to step in and give a massive amount of money for it to happen. The school is not suddenly going to change their mind and decide that this is a good idea. Someone's going to have to come with the funds. And until that happens, they're just going to be, you know, wallowing in the wind, being dominant in the division that they're in.
0: You know, and that's someone, can. everybody brings up to me, they go like, well, that's obviously got to be Bill Foley, right? I mean, that's got to be his next step. He did Golden Knights, he did Silver Knights, he's built rinks all over for the youth. He has to be the guy. Any interest, do you think? You know Bill really well. Any interest in his part of maybe doing that at some point down the road on a structured type thing where Silver Knights are, are complete and then they're building, now maybe it's another pet project?
2: As sad as it sounds, No. Bill Foley's a money guy. Bill Foley likes making money. Bill Foley looks at all of the businesses that he's getting as, am I going to make money? When you donate to a college, especially a college you didn't go to, you're not making money (laughs) off that. Like he's not going to get a return on that. And even if it looks like, yeah, hockey's going to continue to grow in Vegas, in many ways that could be competition to the Golden Knights. Is it really? No. But another another good hockey team in the mix that could be viewed as competition for tickets for the Silver Knights or for the Golden Knights so i think it has to be somebody completely separate than bill foley so no i don't think bill foley's the answer to that question
0: okay well people out there you heard it first uh, Ken doesn't think that's going to be the answer, so UNLV keep fighting along and, and try to find a spot. We know one thing, though, Ken, the uh, NCAA Frozen Four is coming there in, what, 2026, 20, I believe. Definitely and, looking uh, forward that was, to that. And that will be hosted by the University of North Dakota, which has a special tie to uh, the Vegas area. So what's on your agenda for tonight? Are you going to flip over right now and catch that Colorado game?
2: yep, i'm I have it on as we speak, two to nothing. I'm a little surprised by that. We'll see if Colorado can battle back into that one be a huge benefit for Vegas if they don't. Uh, and then actually, I've decided i'm I'm going back and I'm watching the uh, s- series between the Sharks and Colorado from two years ago. DeBoer's Sharks, after they beat the Golden Knights, went on to play Colorado. They beat them in that series, and I'm trying to see what I can learn from that series about how maybe DeBoer likes to guard against McKinnon, how they deal with their power play, how they forecheck, that type of thing. I want to see what we can learn to see if uh, we're going to see something new, any new wrinkles to the Golden Knights game, because I think they could use some new wrinkles playing against Colorado. I think it's going to be a challenge to beat them in a seven-game series.
0: Well, I knew you'd have a game plan, as you always do. You're the best in the business in Vegas. I appreciate your time. I will tell you, as a uh, guy that's seen a lot of Colorado this year, watch number eight and uh, number 29, because they're both pretty good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that eight guy is uh, pretty special. I I think the 29 guy's gotten enough recognition. The eight guy is the one that needs more recognition for what he does. He's amazing.
0: I'll tell you a quick story before I let you go. We had Greg Carvel on after the, or during the morning before the NCAA championship. He was on our special podcast, and we got all done with the show just about. And he goes, "Oh yeah, guys, I got something to tell you. We're getting another McCar here next year. Cale's <laughs> younger brother is coming, is coming to UMass. So I have no idea if there could be another one of those. But if there is, oh my goodness." I'll take him. I'll take him. Yeah, you and about uh, what thirty one other teams soon. Thirty two at that point, yeah. (laughs) Right. All right, Ken. Thanks for joining us. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, If you need anything from Dallas, let me know. Okay.
2: Will do. I mean, if you can (laughs) ship barbecue back, Pecan Lodge is my favorite. (laughs) My favorite restaurant in the entire country.
0: Oh my goodness! I mean, everywhere you go. I'll give you one final thing. I I took a day off on Sunday and I just did. You right yeah
2: no nah, so uh, I, I don't believe this i don't believe this story one bit uh,
0: so i snuck over to at&t stadium because i thought i just gotta see all this right and i saw the baseball stadiums next to it and i do mean there's two baseball stadiums yeah. that could be played in by major league teams at the same time they're that nice still yep. um and then i go in and i take the tour and it lasts like two hours and i'm seeing this and i'm going like oh my goodness How are the Dallas Cowboys not the best team in football every year with what they have to offer? 332 suites in that building. Anyway. Because their GM
2: is a knucklehead. (laughs) I know. That's why. But seriously, (laughs) if you haven't been to Pecan Lodge yet, if you can't go to Dallas and not go to Pecan Lodge barbecue, it's amazing.
0: Okay. I got it on my list. Ken Belke, thanks for joining me. Uh, Have a good night. And, uh, Go Vegas Golden Knights?
2: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Talk to you later. All right, folks, that was Ken Belke with the uh, Vegas. We appreciate him taking some time to visit with us tonight. We're going to take another quick break, some quick break, and then we'll come back to wrap up this edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Hotel Las Vegas in downtown Las Vegas.
1: This is Derek Stevens with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com.
3: Ask any And they'll all the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game and style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable. Show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number.
4: I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been oh. listening to everything you said has been running through my
3: Visit us at mexicanmoonshine.com. Roger Klein's canción Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. If you live in the Valley, you know that there is no shortage of great Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste with a fair price and relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burrito served all day to combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations, from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery.
1: I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going
3: to see the Golden Knights? No.
1: Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for
3: lunch. Oh, that fortress! That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs
1: And Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24 7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross sports. Sign up for the mobile wager app at circusports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sports books at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wager.
0: Alright, we are back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Back to wrap up another great edition. My thanks to Ken Belke with the uh, Sinbin.Vegas. If you're not following Ken, you got to do it because he is the authority in Vegas Golden Knights hockey and Silver Knights and um, right now uh, UNLV. <laughs> he does a little bit of everything. So my, uh, my thanks to Ken for joining me. I knew I had to talk to him when they're on a nine-game winning streak and looking at the uh, matchup Two more games with the Avalanche coming up. The next one, Wednesday night in Vegas. Currently, we'll run down the standings for you in the Honda West Division. The Golden Knights hold uh, the lead at 70 points. Avalanche at 66. The surprising Minnesota Wilds, 65 points and locked down a playoff spot. Currently in third position, but hey, you know what? A few more Wild wins and Avalanche losses, and those two could flip spots. I don't think they're going to catch the Golden Knights, but who knows? Anything can happen. Then the Arizona Coyotes, currently holding down the fourth spot with 47 points, but right behind them, the St. Louis Blues, who currently have a 2-0 lead, I understand, over the uh, Avalanche tonight at 46 points, the uh, San Jose Sharks at 41 points, the LA Kings at 40 points, and the Anaheim Ducks at 35 points. The thing to remember, folks, is the Coyotes and the Ducks have already played 48 games. The Kings, for example, and the Blues have... And the Avalanche have only played 45, so that's three games in hand. That's uh, six big points to uh, climb up the ladder, and because they're playing uh, within their own division this year, those uh, six points could turn into 12, depending on who you're beating and knocking down. So let's uh, keep our eyes on that one. As far as the AHL goes, um, you know, a lot of things have been going on in the AHL too. Ken and I talked a little bit about what it meant to um, have – Possibility of no playoffs, and and how would you do that, right? I mean, um, if you if you play all season long, and then all of a sudden at the end they go, hey, season's over. Um, I I just don't know. I don't understand uh, how they're going to be able to deal with that or reconcile that. But hey, it's a COVID year, so you got to do what you got to do. But um, just to bring you up to date on where we're at right now, the Henderson Silver Knights um, have the winning percentage, the best winning percentage, of six seventy seven. Uh, with uh, 31 games played, 21 wins, and 10 losses. Uh, Bakersfield making a hard push to catch them. 31 games played, 19-11, uh, 0-1, and a 6 winning percentage. The San Diego Gulls, 36 games played, so a bunch more, five more than them. Uh, 22 wins, uh, 13 losses, uh, one overtime loss, and no shootout loss for uh, 45 points um colorado's been hanging in there 26 games played so they've got a lot of games yet to play due to uh, their loss uh, during covid 13 wins 10 losses two overtime losses one shootout loss for 29 points the barracuda 30 games played 13 11 4 2 and 32 points and a 533 win percentage uh tucson roadrunners who have been a victim of their parent club the coyotes taking some of their best players, but still hanging in there. 29 games played, 11-16, 2-0 for 24 points and a 4-14 winning percentage. And the Ontario Reign, 32 games played, uh, 10 wins, 18 losses, 4 overtime losses, and no shootout losses for 24 points and a .375 winning percentage. So still some things to be decided in the AHL as well. Um, hopefully one day soon we'll find out whether there's going to be playoffs for the HL or not. Um, I honestly can't tell you. My gut right now tells me that uh, probably not, but um, we'll see. So lots of stuff to keep track of in the professional hockey side of things. is Definitely keep your eyes on the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, and the Minnesota Wild, because they are in a dogfight right now to see who comes away with the Honda West Division Championship. So that'll wrap up another edition for you, Scott Strandy. As I said, live from uh, Frisco, Texas tonight. As I'm getting ready to see uh, the second game of the day, which is uh, Team USA against Russia. Uh, and uh, I can already tell you, folks, I've seen a lot of uh, 1980 gold medal jerseys around. I-, I tweeted out some pictures, or I will tweet out some pictures, I should say, uh, of-, of some of them that I've seen today. But Mike Rooney's been very, Eruzione has been very popular here in Texas today. Everywhere I go, I seem to see a jersey uh, with that number 21 on it so we'll get some tweets out follow us at Ice Time SW on social media get to our YouTube page catch up on everything there at Ice Time SW also uh, get on the website it's looking great our uh, executive producer Terry has done a fantastic job of building up the website it looks great we'll have full coverage for the next week here in Frisco and uh, once again I'll thank my, uh, my special guest tonight Ken Belke for joining me and Talking Vegas hockey as nobody else can. Thank you, Ken. I look forward to speaking with you real soon. I look forward to seeing you in person pretty soon because I'll get back to Vegas here in a couple of weeks and and uh, sit down and we'll talk some more hockey. So we'll say goodnight for Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by the D Las Vegas Hotel and Casino. And say goodnight from Frisco, Texas. The
4: D Las Vegas Resorts and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Our new extra Añejo is aged at least three years before bottled. Get yours tonight at mexicanmoonshine.com. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, from the Fremont Street Experience to the iconic American Coney Island Restaurant. We are more than just free gaming action. Book your spot at the D.com. Verizon Wireless, the 5G and 5G Ultra Business America's been waiting for. Buy summer skates, fall, no matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized and Hey, click up Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, where we can provide our in-line. See the website for our Three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard. Where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there are so many delicious choices it always seems like you do. Uh-huh. drive, there's partner of what drives you. Drive in the morning, relax at night. Our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. The d Las Vegas Resort and Casino Professional Highland, Southwest Weekly and mm-hmm. old- mm-hmm. all Hockey SW Podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean and the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio and the TuneIn. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Resort Casino Hotel, part of the HockeySW.com network.
0: All right, you heard it,
4: folks. Uh, the show is
0: about to wrap up. I will remind you that we have two more shows this week. We have tomorrow night, uh, we're going to try to save Alaska hockey, or at least do our part. We have the head coach from uh, Alaska Anchorage, and uh, one of the gentlemen that's uh, working with the program to uh, to try to save the program, keep it alive in Alaska. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Wednesday night, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Join Stephen Marsh and myself as we talk club hockey. Hopefully, we're going to have the national champion head coach, Gary tallis join us. So that's our plan. We will talk to you all in a very short period of time uh, tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.